Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, the jury is still deliberating the fate of 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. At least they are as of this recording. Rittenhouse charged in the deaths of three men he claims were going to kill him. His attackers are the ones who wound up on the wrong end of a gun, however. Two are dead, including the thug who hit him over the head with a skateboard, which the prosecution tried to claim was not a deadly weapon. That's because the prosecutor was not the one on the receiving end of the blows. A skateboard is a deadly weapon. Someone should tell all the parents and grandparents and Santa Claus giving skateboards this Christmas about how they're giving their children a deadly weapon. I guess they should get him an AR-15 instead. Oh, he's a comedian. He's hilarious. So this uh, James Krause, the uh, prosecutor, one of them, tried to argue the guy who threatened to kill Rittenhouse, guy who grabbed his gun, this Joseph Rosenbaum, and the guy who pointed his gun at Rittenhouse's head, this uh, Grosskrantz, are somehow uh, weren't going to hurt him. We're supposed to believe Rosenbaum is Jason Bourne or John Wick or some other movie star hero who's capable of killing with his bare hands and deserved the treatment that he got from the defendant. That those are the words are uh, those are the words from Kraus, the prosecutor. Yeah, I would believe it. Rittenhouse believed it. He felt threatened, he felt his life was in danger, and he took, took the appropriate action. Anyway, this whole episode may have been avoided if the Democratic governor, Evers, I can't think of his first name, had called in the National Guard as President Trump had urged him to help local law enforcement, many of whom, uh, the local law enforcement people, were reluctant to go in and take care of business. They didn't want to get in harm's way. If police don't sufficiently police you're going to wind up with many more Kyle Rittenhouses. These types of people will take matters into their own hands. Somebody's got to. Anyway, the only survivor of the uh, the shootings, the Rittenhouse shootings, this uh, Gage Grosskrantz was in court six days before the murder trial began. He was a star witness. This guy's drunk driving, domestic violence, burglary, got a rap sheet just like the other two, a rap sheet a mile long. So we covered a lot of this last night. I don't want to go over it again, but so the, the jury's still out on Rittenhouse, and I think he's going to beat every charge, even the gun charge. There was a report, and it was, I think, uh, let's see, where did I get this? I forget where I got it, but I guess they threw out the gun charge, too. He's a minor, and the hope was that at least they would convict him on the on the misdemeanor gun charge, a minor having a, a loaded AR-15, but the Wisconsin state law says that that's permissible as long as the uh, the barrel is not a short barrel. And the AR-15 is not. PolitiFact incorrectly claimed in a fact check that it wasn't legal for Rittenhouse to possess the rifle. So in this fact check, so-called, resulted in Facebook spreading all kinds of misinformation next to the posts about the topic. And they claimed Rittenhouse could not legally possess a rifle. Well, they were wrong. He can and did and took care of business. Anyway, um... I want to get on to, to some other things here. I want to mention Joe Biden's infrastructure bill that he signed into law over the weekend. I haven't talked about this. I'm not going to. It's boring stuff. I mean, it is a, 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 an infrastructure bill. Uh, 13 House Republicans crossed party lines to vote for the package. Staten Island Congresswoman Nicole Meliotaka, she was in the assembly, I think, for 10 years. I know Nicole fairly well. Uh, she was among the 13, and she's taken some heat from uh, the, Trump, the Trump people in, in the party. So she spoke to Fox News over the weekend and uh, 
she claims there's a lot of good things in this bill for her district. That's why she voted for it. She claims it is truly uh, an infrastructure bill. It has money for roads and bridges and, you know, sewers and whatnot. But she and the others, the other 12 Republicans, are catching some heat. I'm not saying they shouldn't catch heat, but it, she claims it's, and I haven't read the bill, she says there's some good things that her district needs. That's why she voted for it. All right, let's see here. Let's uh, talk about Joe Biden's Justice Department for a bit here, because Biden's Justice Department is going after anyone associated with Donald Trump. Steve Bannon is the latest former Trumper with a target on his back. And these deep state phonies, Biden's Department of Justice, the FBI, are blaming President Trump, Bannon and the others for fomenting trouble on January 6th. What happened on that day was not an insurrection. And I'm going to do a, an entire program on an insurrection, what a real insurrection is. It was not an insurrection. And the media trying to depict the events of January 6th as an insurrection is really doing an injustice. It was a protest that got out of hand. And the media's depiction of the events of that day has just added fuel to the fire, which is really mostly what the legacy media is engaged in these days. This nonsense is all designed to weaken Trump for 2024, if he decides to run. He says he'll make his decision after the midterms, as Chris Christie said today. But anyway, uh, Biden is not weakening Trump or weakening Trump's uh, chances in 2024 if he runs. I think he's strengthening President Trump's chances of winning. How? Well, I, by not enforcing federal immigration laws, for one. By cutting checks to people who are here illegally. While American citizens are forced to pay higher prices on everything from milk and eggs and bread to gasoline, home heating fuel. By dumping illegal aliens via clandestine flights in the middle of the night in cities and states all across the country. You think Americans aren't wise to the president's schemes? You know they are. And Biden is also, I think, bettering Trump's chances at a second term by ignoring Supreme Court decisions, as he did last month when a federal appeals court ruled that OSHA had overstepped its authority with pushing ahead with the administration's vaccine mandate. All these things are leading people to say, I think a lot of Democrats have buyer's remorse. Not a lot of them, but some of them. So anyway, uh, this Steve Bannon is, uh, and friends of mine are, are, you know, liberal friends of mine, I have one or two, are sending me all these these uh, posts about uh, Bannon going to go to prison. I mean, he's charged with criminal contempt of Congress. And uh, Mark Meadows, also the former uh, chief of staff of President Trump, ignored a deposition, so he's in the crosshairs as well. But Trump's the real target. I mean, they've been after Bannon for five, six, seven years. But this is all about weakening President Trump for 2024. Don't let anybody kid you. And I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to run. Uh, you know, the, the polls look good. He would beat Biden if the uh, if the election were held or, you know, were held again today. But it's not going to be held today. It's not going to be held tomorrow. I mean, Trump lost. And uh, that's all there is to it. Now, I'm not going to engage in the, the uh, conspiracy theories. I, I don't know if he lost truly, to be honest with you. There was definitely some shenanigans in many of the, the swing states, but there always is. Was it enough to swing the election? I don't know. I, I, I really can't say. But he lost, and he's uh, gearing up for something. And if it's not him, it could be Chris Christie. And my wife and I, we my wife loves Chris Christie. 
you know, he's got all the the uh, credentials. I mean, he was a, a governor of a of a blue state. Did a great job. He stands up to the teachers' unions, or he did then. Uh, he's a tough guy. He was second best to Trump, though. And I, for some reason, Trump never really uh, embraced Chris Christie for whatever reason. I don't totally trust. I don't trust any politician, to be honest with you. And the, but Christie w- was a good governor. We could do a lot worse than Christie, but I'm tired of doing a lot worse. You know, it's a lesser of two evils. For if you're a conservative, it's like you got to, you know, you know, hold your nose and pull the lever for George W. Bush or George H. Walker Bush. We're tired of that. Trump gave us a real choice, a real alternative. He was different. He was a change agent and is a change agent. And look where that got him. The deep staters, the, the people in Washington, the insiders, the uh, establishment, they don't like anybody who thinks outside the box. And Trump does what he says he's going to do, for the most part. I know Ann Coulter would disagree with that. Ann Coulter wrote another blistering column this week and, and said basically the, the president is not intelligent, President Trump, and he didn't do what he said he was going to do. He ran on one issue in particular, building a wall. He didn't get it done. He built a partial wall, but he didn't finish. That was his issue. He didn't get it done. But if, if uh, whoever the Republican nominee is, whether it's Trump or I, I think uh, DeSantis has said he's not going to run, whoever it is, if they can't beat Joe Biden, if, providing Biden's even upright by 2024, I doubt he will be. And I don't know, you know, there's talk of that uh, Kamala Harris is not going to be around either. And I don't know what's going to happen to her. She is the vice president. Her approval ratings are below 20, 28%, 27.6 or something like that. Unbelievably low. Nobody likes her. Democrats don't like her. She's unlikable. She's phony. She's as phony as a day is long. You can look at her and see that she's an empty pantsuit. She just doesn't have it. I thought when this whole process began in, in uh, I don't know when it was, 20. 18 or 19, she was the first Democrat who came out. I think she's one of the first to announce. And she got out of the race before any of the votes were cast. Didn't win any delegates. And she is, I think, totally unqualified. And she's a former prosecutor. So one would assume she's got a brain in her head. But she really is a lightweight politically. And the fact that nobody likes her is an issue for her. And uh, so who knows? But three years is a long time. People say they can't stand Biden or his policies. But you know something? The American people are fickle. They can change in a heartbeat. A federal appeals court in New Orleans has halted the Biden administration's vaccine or testing requirement for private businesses. Another political setback to uh, one of the White House's signature public health policies, a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, And it's led by a judge who was appointed by President Reagan. The two others were appointed by President Trump. So they issued their ruling Friday. Got to love it. This Reagan appointee is still there doing doing his work. And two of Trump's appointees are there. So they temporarily halted the mandate in response to lawsuits filed by uh, some Republican-aligned businesses and legal groups. And and I'll read you the, uh, the opinion written by Judge Kurt Engelhardt and joined by Judges Edith Jones and Stuart Kyle Duncan, calling the requirement a mandate, the court said, the rule instituted through the Labor Department grossly exceeds OSHA's statutory authority. 
according to the opinion. Rather than a delicately handled scalpel, the mandate is a one-size-fits-all sledgehammer that makes hardly any attempt to account for differences in workplaces and workers that have more than a little bearing on workers' varying degrees of susceptibility to the supposedly grave danger the mandate purports to address. And that's how government does things anyway. It's, they use a sledgehammer. It's a one-size-fits-all, top-down you know, top approach to everything, whether it's health care, whether it's, I don't care what it is, education. One size fits all. And this is what I re- was referring to a few minutes ago. The Biden administration has told its, uh, its subordinates to ignore the, 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 uh, the ruling, told OSHA basically to proceed, instituting the mandates putting the screws to private businesses. I can see some of these mandates in government, but it's not up to government to mandate what's right for the private sector. In my view, I'm not a, I'm not a judge, I'm not an attorney, but there needs to be a separation there. You know, requiring work staff to get vaccinated or face we- a weekly testing, I mean, that's, and it's mandatory, which is how government does everything. It's, they, they compel, they force. This is what progressives do. As uh, David Horowitz Gentleman, I've interviewed several times. He put it in a, in one his magazine, uh, and the name of the magazine escapes me. But he said and wrote that inside every progressive is a totalitarian screaming to get out, and it's true. Every every so called progressive I know is that way. They want to control not just their own surroundings, but your surroundings. They want to control everything and everyone around them, and uh, they're authoritarians basically. Front Page Magazine, that's the, uh, the magazine David Horowitz uh, has created. It's a great magazine. You can get it online, too. All right, let's see what else we have. We've got a couple of things here to get to before we... We may be out of time. I'm, I've lost track of the time here. We may be out. That's all we're going to have time for. So we'll keep an eye on the uh, situation in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Again, as we record this, this podcast, they are still deliberating. So it may be a day or two, but it's going to be soon. So we'll, we'll do another podcast when that time comes, when they announce a decision, I, my prediction is Rittenhouse, I think he walks free from every charge. And some people in Kenosha, no doubt, will not like that. The, there may be some violence. And uh, no doubt the left is uh, trying to gin up some uh, trouble, as the left usually does. The media will jump right on board and uh, they'll cause trouble as, as they usually do. But that's all we have time for. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. The uh, Pac-Man podcast, you can access the podcast on the BMG Network with all the other fine podcasts we have for you. Or you can uh, check out your your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple iTunes. We are on so many different platforms. Whatever your podcast platform, your preferred platform, you can check us out. The Pac-Man. And also, we write columns for you on the uh, the BMG Network. It's called The Pack Perspective. Try to get at least one column up there a week. Check that out if you want to get... In contact with me directly, it's pacman at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks very much, folks, for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.